to Cover Stories B-Sides. Uh, today we were going to be doing a mini episode about Amy Winehouse's cover of the Zootons uh, song, Valerie. I've got Nick Mary joining me today. How's it going? It's going really well. Thank you for being on. This is such a thrill. I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, this is exciting. This is a, this is a fun song to talk about, and I think uh, just the, Amy Winehouse in general is just fun to talk about. And I know she led a tragic life, but she's just so interesting. She's fascinating. For sure. She's a fascinating person. So um, just jumping right into it, what is your connection to her cover? How, how did, do you remember when you first heard it or anything like that? Uh, okay, so if I'm not mistaken, Valerie's not on Back to Black. No. It, um, so it would have come out either when she was kind of like post-Grammy. Uh, I know that Lioness, the sort of like covers and um, B-Sides album came out after, and I don't know if that's when Valerie would have been that's when it was officially released right okay. it was on mark ronson's album because it's okay. technically a mark ronson song of course it is yeah yeah which isn't uh isn't um what's that bruno mars song that one oh uh uptown funk uh, that's a that's a uh mark ronson yeah song, you know? yeah that's crazy so, yeah. yeah um uh, okay so um i think that valerie would have come around uh strongly when lioness came out and so that it, it was just kind of you know that's one of the catchier and more upbeat songs yeah. on that album. That album kind of featured a lot of like more down tempo, alternate versions of like her her more popular songs. Yeah. So, so Valerie is a is a standout track from that one for sure. Yeah, that was around the time I first heard it. Um, the first time I heard it was actually Bruno Mars covered it with Mark Ronson at the Grammys after she died as a tribute. Yeah, I do remember that. And I remember I'd never heard it up to that point, and that was Tyler the Creator's favorite. Amy Winehouse song, mm-hmm. and he was talking about fuck Bruno Mars, but that was beautiful. <laughs> so that's when I was like, oh, this song is really cool. And I looked back into it, and um, I didn't realize it was a cover until a couple of years later. Yeah. Have you heard the original by the Zootons? I, I could not in confidence say that I have knowledge of it. I mean, I'm sure at some point, I it, it might be one of those things where like that cover got more popular because of yeah. Amy covering it. So I'm sure like somewhere in some, like in some hot topic somewhere in the country like yeah. i stumbled across as i was looking at you know old band t-shirts and things like, yeah that song might have been playing but no i might have assumed that it was a they were covering amy winehouse yeah <laughs> well I, it's funny because I, I listened to it today for the first time in a really long time and it's not what i remember it being like it's a little bit more like a kind of fanfare kind of yeah it sounds a little bit i mean it was, it was made in 2006 and the winehouse cover Originally came out in 07. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like an older song. Yeah. She she has such a way of of Im- she like um she just really has this old soul yeah. quality to her. So it's like for her to cover a 2006 song in 07 yeah. and make it sound like it's from the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's everything Amy Winehouse brought to the table. For sure. It's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I was reading about they were talking to Mark Ronson and he wanted, they, they'd been friends. He wanted her on his album yeah. and they were trying to find, it was just, Version is his second album. It's all covers. Uh, on that album also, there's a really great cover of Just by Radiohead by yeah. uh, the guy from Phantom Planet with Mark Ronson. It's fucking dope. Uh, highly recommend it. I was but, just talking about Phantom Planet's The Guest yesterday. Oh yeah? Yeah. That's dope. I, a, a very pivotal part of the culture in my opinion. Yeah. 2003 shifting into what, we, it, it, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so, um, but yeah, so he wanted Winehouse on it, and he, but the quote was, she doesn't listen to anything past 1967, but she was really into that song when it came out. These guys, the Zootons are from Liverpool, so mm-hmm. she's, 
she was really into it and she's like well how about we do this song and she had done like a live version which is you've probably heard a slower version which yeah. is a little bit more jazzy that's mm-hmm. just her and Mark Ronson decided to throw on um, this beat by the band of Jam um, I can't remember the name of the song let me see if I've got it here um, but it's uh, the, the beginning of the song is um, A Town Called Malice and if you hear that song you, you've probably heard it before like movie soundtracks if you're not familiar with it I, I had to listen to it I'm like oh yeah that yeah. song but he used that kind of as the background, and then Amy Winehouse just took over from there. But uh, it's really cool. I love how it all just came together and, and how it's a song that sounds like it's from the 60s, but is really two years old at that point. You know, I mean, the power to the producer, right? And, yeah. You know, Mark Ronson's a freaking ultra-mega genius. Yeah. So, like, for him to be able to take a little bit of that and this and that and then create something like a cover of a 2006 song. Yeah. <laughs> what an obscure year to take a, a song and cover it in my yeah. opinion. I don't look back fondly on like the, the aughts, the mid aughts. Uh-huh. None of that time like really resonated with me. So it's funny to see like that cover being something that's like being discussed 15 years later on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny you say that too. Cause I, I feel like a lot of, especially like with the younger generation, you get so much washing of like the third wave emo and like, Indie rock and Who, like who's third wave? Like where does emo? What's the third wave? Of so emo? that's all the scene, hot topic stuff. Uh, and, and we're talking like Panic, Fallout Boy, or yeah. is that second wave. Like, so is first wave at the drive-in? First wave is like the did Cure? you see hardcore scene like okay. Fugazi okay. and like? Uh, I should tell you, I know nothing. About oh yeah, I'm just wildly guessing here. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so it was like first wave is like Rights of Spring, Fugazi, all the Ian McKay bands from okay. DC, and they were they put the emotional and emotional hardcore. Right. And uh, then second wave is like American football and mineral and bands in the nineties, late nineties. Okay. And then when those bands kind of got more popular, get up kids kind of are the bridge between second wave and third wave. Interesting. And third wave is when they started getting more about the guy liner, about the look and things like that. Well, so where, okay. So, um, clue me in here because again, that I was say to, to the lane that was, um, what I assume is third wave, emo, uh-huh. which was like the two thousands, you know, Renaissance. Yeah. Um, I was the kind of like jam band, like Dave Matthews, Ben Harper, oh, yeah? uh, going in that direction. So I missed all of, like, I was in a three-person jam band, which would play 15-minute songs with no lyrics. Oh, like, cool. That was my lane. And so all of that over there was something that I just saw at a distance and was like, I don't want any part Yeah, of it. yeah. So <laughs> my assumption was that there was a moment where, like, at the drive-in, grandfathered in bands like Thursday, The Used, yeah. Glassjaw, and I don't remember the fourth one. It might have been cursive, but I, I could be wrong on that. But there was like a grandfather at the top of the tree was at the drive-in. And then from that splintered into Thursday used, blah, blah, blah. And then from that splintered into the Fallout Boy and then whatever, whatever yeah. came from that. So at the drive-in, so yeah, I probably put in the cons- uh, considered like a second wave uh-huh. bridge, kind of right. like Get Up Kids. They're so, it's so like multifaceted. Yeah, it's like who claims yeah. the origins of it's it. Cursive is kind of in there too. Like yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, Bright Eyes, bands yeah, like yeah. that kind of, like you said, grandfathered in. The, you know, they always talk about the bands influence the bands that ultimately like kill them or ultimately Absolutely. like become more popular than them. And that's exactly what happened in the, in the early aughts. Um, to even speak on that sentiment, it's like I, I read something once about Nirvana where it was like one greatness inspires um, garbage. Yeah. A, I think that's paraphrasing, but it's like, you know, Nirvana inspired like six years afterwards of, you know, what ultimately became Creed. Yeah. <laughs> what ultimately became bands like Puddle of Mud and things I, like that. Like I all love of that was talking born, about that. All of that was born in the shadow. Well, of course, it's yeah. interesting to us because yeah. that was what we grew up on. And it's also right before the culture shifted into like such an internet 
centric, everything available all the time, you know, um, whatever it is now. But yeah, the uh, the from the timeline from Nirvana to Puddle of Mud is not. Yeah, it's not difficult to see how we yeah. got there. You know, the the whole. I mean, just the, the post grunge in general was yeah. these record producers catching on six years too late. And that it, and that, I don't think that'll ever. That'll never go away. What's yeah. cool? What's cool and what's important right now is going to be you know on the radio five years from now, yeah. essentially. Which means we don't even know what's cool right yeah. now. For sure, Mark Ronson hasn't decided for us what's <laughs> what's cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's it's funny you bring up Nirvana, and I know I mention this a lot, but uh, Nirvana, Patch Mirror was in Nirvana. He was also in the Germs. The Germs were influenced by the Runaways. Lita Ford was in the Runaways. Lita Ford had an '80s hair metal you know, solo gig, and ultimately Nirvana killed her solo gig, so she actually influenced her demise. And it's just little stuff like that, and it repeats itself, you know? That's six degrees of self. And in a way, Nirvana kind of did that to themselves, too, (laughs) temporarily, at least. I mean, Nirvana's looked at a lot more classical, as as, as classic, or as more timeless than Lita Ford's solo solo career. But but yeah, um, it's, it's... we recorded with a, a friend of mine who did Amy Winehouse. We talked a lot about how different she was for that era, and you, you kind of hit the hit it on the head by bringing up she didn't sound like anything in that in the aughts. And, and yet, at the same time, she was completely timeless. Yeah. So, like, she sounded like everything. She was so familiar. That's what yeah really resonated with people loving her so much. It was like we were watching someone. I think on Lioness, she covers like the the theme song from like I dream of genie there's some or like the boy from Ipanipa or something uh, like that. Something that's just such an old corny. Yeah. Like traditionally American early song. And yet like, again, she makes it sound like she was recording it back then, but at the same time recording it, you know, yeah. A couple years ago, she definitely opened up the floodgates for that to be cool again. I think for, for a younger generation. Um, I think that, she manages to sound timeless and contemporary at the same time. And it's just, I think a lot of it is just who she was as a person. Sure. And she was, she was kind of punk rock, you know? I mean, I don't think punk rock covers it, you know? Yeah. Like she was, she was tragic. Yeah. Like she, yeah. she was, and it, not to like get too lost in the tangent of, of like that, that avenue of conversation, but like, She's so fascinating. And, you know, someone like her, Jeff Buckley, like yeah. Kurt Cobain, maybe too. It's like someone that has such a fleeting existence. It's like we get to make them heroes because yeah. their time was limited. They didn't live long enough to become the villain. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to like quote, what did Jay-Z say that? I don't even know. Yeah. You either die a hero or you live long enough to be the villain. Hey, and, man, um, yeah. So, and it's like you, you think, you look at Amy from where we all see her and it's like, Oh yeah. It's a beautiful voice. Uh, rising star could have had it all. Yeah. And then it's really easy to remember that she was like a junkie. Yeah. Who at one point was like shooting up mid concert. Like she yeah. would hide the drugs in her hair. I mean, I say hide, but like that's, yeah. She wasn't even <laughs> trying at that point. And like, there's a, there's a live performance that she did for MTV. That was kind of the last thing that they would, they played before like her time, uh, before she passed. And it's, fucking awful yeah like it, yeah i i didn't know if i can swear on this yeah, or not this is like, a podcast you can cuss on yeah so. okay cool. <laughs> not and not to speak ill of the dead but like oh, yeah. the last performance that they had recorded of hers is is pretty terrible and um i think that in a way it's like she you know there's a blessing to her career that we 
we there was a there was a timeline to where we got to stop seeing the train wreck and we just get to remember yeah the good parts but you know and then that begs into question too it's like what level of empathy do we give to someone who's talented and has those issues as opposed to someone who just has those issues yeah in the street and like, like i said that's a whole avenue worth worth discussing which i'm sure has been discussed to death but um that's why i find her so fascinating it's like yeah. we give we give a lot of love to her um, and most really talented, but simultaneously tragic figures. And yet, like, do we offer that same love to the people that we see just kind of in the street dealing with the same shit? Like, we yeah, don't know. maybe they are the next Amy Winehouse, but they didn't get that record contract. Like, yeah. Who knows? It has a lot to do with, like, the glorification of the 27 Club in general, you know? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That's... Everyone in there had their issues, had their trouble. Some of them had, like, just bad luck. Like, they died in a plane crash or whatever, but... Yeah. But even then, I mean, that's so like something that that is discussing. There's something to it. Yeah, there's something to it. I mean, we lost. I think Jeff Buckley was 27. I think so. Yeah. And at a certain point, you're kind of like, all right, if if it's gonna keep happening, then we have to like honor that a little bit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you you heard Amy Whitehouse or, or saw her perform or anything? Oh, first time undoubtedly would be ba- uh, rehab. Oh yeah, undoubtedly. I mean that. This was before every song was available ever. Yeah, yeah. At any time. So it was like at a certain point, tastemakers were choosing what came on yeah. the radio. And we just kind of took it for what it was. So uh, I think Rehab was what, 2001? Uh, 05. Was it 05? Yeah, 05, 06. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those Whoa, 10 years I, just no, blur. <laughs> it, it, sadly, I thought I was... I. What's so sad about that is that I like have a vivid memory of listening to it in high school, which I was not in high school in 05, <laughs> so I'm completely wrong. But um, uh, the answer to your question is no. I don't have a strong memory <laughs> of when I heard it. But I think that's just a testament to how like timeless she is. I, I think that Without question. You, you, you mix up when you heard it for the first time. And yeah. then I, I had to look it up, too, to see when it was because I wasn't sure if it was high school or college for me. And yeah. that was right in the transition for me. Um, the first time I saw her was I, I follow a lot of music blogs, and Stereo Gum posted this is right before back back uh, back in black or whatever back came out. Back to black, yeah. not the ACDC record. Mm-hmm. Back to black came out, and she was doing. Uh, do you remember that that singer Charlotte Church? I don't. Well, she was like this thirteen year old like gospel singer in the nineties, and she grew up, and now she's like uh, she's like Ellen in in England. She has okay. her own TV show, and she performs. And Amy Winehouse was on there, and they covered "Beat It," and it was awful. <laughs> Amy Winehouse was wasted, yeah. and I was like, "Who is this person, right, and yeah. why is she on this?" Right. And then like a few months later, "Back to Black" came out. I see rehab. I'm like, "Oh, that's that same person." Like, it was such a one eighty from what I my first experience with her, and it's so weird because that was I think the perfect way to really kind of summarize her at that time. You know, seeing her in, in her, like, worst, but also seeing how talented she could be and just juxtaposing those together was really interesting. You know, what I recall and I, what I do have a vivid memory of, uh, I can't remember if it was the Grammys or if it was the MTV Awards because back in those days, those were pretty equal yeah. uh, in terms of, like, cultural impact. But she was giving a performance as, like, an opening act to one of those, and I... I wish I knew which one it was. It might have been the Grammy, uh-huh. or, but like she gave her performance like as an opening act and then ended up winning best album. Oh, okay. Like, and then they like cut back to her at the, on stage and being like, you want it all. And her just kind of like, you can see these sort of 
I mean, you know, like, uh, I know enough about celebrities to know that there's a lot of fabrication and yeah. a lot of acting involved, but it seemed like a very genuine kind of shock. Like, yeah. oh my God, I could have never imagined. It's like you saw the weight of, like, what she was becoming hit her at once, and so it was like, she let us in on that vulnerability for even that moment, and I think the entire world the next day was just like, Amy Winehouse is the one, like, you know, yeah. she's ours now. So, I don't know, I mean... I I I recall rehab being a huge thing and I recall her winning that big night and it was kind of like after that Back to Black was just such a solid album. I mean the production yeah. is so good. Every song is just like a banger and then I don't think she was alive for much longer than that. Yeah, it was like five, I think 2011 is when she died, I think. It's and you know again like the odds moved so fast yeah. that it seems like I don't even I, I couldn't even recall and and, and we all kind of like fondly remember, like we think higher of like our ability to remember things. Yeah. I must've just like not given a shit about her for like the next five years for me to not even have like that many, I don't even have a recollection of when she passed. It was just like, you know, she was just kind of a part of the culture until she wasn't. Yeah. I, I think those five years definitely were kind of a blur just in the sense that, and like, I don't like to talk ill of the dead either, but it felt like, uh, a cycle. Like she'd have a comeback and people would post like, Oh, look at how great she looks. Mm-hmm. And then she'd be back in rehab and then she'd be into tabloids or, you know, she'd be out on the streets, you know, and, and it was just kind of a constant thing that I felt like I kind of got used to when she died. It, I hate to say it wasn't a surprise, but it also was a surprise because it's like, oh, I was just so used to her getting back up. I mean, the scary thing about that, too, and um, not to compare on love uh, in regard to like um, the level of cultural impact, not to compare her to Michael Jackson in a way where they're yeah. like on the same level culturally, but the way that you could see that people relied on say Michael Jackson near the end of his career where they were kind of like propping him up and, you know, like pumping him full of drugs to like back out on the stage. Yeah. You can kind of see the way that Amy had clear problems and yet whoever her team was, was willing to just kind of like do whatever they could to like get that face on to kind of be like, get back out there and keep making these songs. And it's such a, it's so sad when you think about the way that, I mean, like on the one end, it's like, she, that was the one thing she was put on this earth to do. Maybe yeah. it was like sing. She was fantastic at it. People loved her and whatever her energy was just drew millions of people to her. Right. And yeah. So to that degree, I don't doubt that she genuinely loved to perform, but there's no doubt. Clearly she had, she had issues and she was being enabled, not, if not by the lifestyle of being a performer, um, the people that were in her life clearly were not yeah. influencing her correctly as well. And like, was she being thrown out there to the wolves just to like keep her going for, to like sustain the team of Amy Winehouse, like whoever was involved in it, or was she going to do that until she died? Because that, what else was she going to do? You yeah. Know I, mean? I don't know. It's, it's easy to sit back and look and question it now, but it's, uh, it, it's ultimately kind of tragic. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's the most heartbreaking thing about it is the fact that it, it did feel like there are times you'd see her perform and it's like she doesn't want to be there because she shouldn't be there, you know? I mean, sometimes she wasn't there. Yeah, that's like true. Her, her body was there, but you can see that like she's checked out. I, I do see a lot of like younger singer song, singers in general, artists kind of have taken a note from that, and they do. They are very, very, more vocal about their substance abuse, about their mental illnesses, and you know, they, they take breaks and they cancel tours because they know that this could run them into the ground. And, you know, isn't that, isn't that something to say that progress is like, 
well, now we're just going to push, we're going to push Justin Bieber right to the point yeah. of like mental collapse and then we'll, yeah. then we'll bring it back. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. And, and exactly to your point, like Justin Bieber as a specific uh, example, canceled his entire tour just to be like, yo, mentally I'm not yeah. ready for this. And it was like, you know, I think someone just did chance. The rapper just canceled uh, his uh, big day tour. And I know that someone else, I don't know if it was Justin, but I know that another person had recently done, like, a, like had a huge thing planned that they just kind of, like, pulled out at the last minute. So, so it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I think, I think Ariana Grande did that, uh, Demi Lovato, like, a few of the, these, these younger, like, pop star kind of... And, and, you know, what's... Speaking of Ariana, and, and that just kind of brings up another kind of, like, timely passing. Is Mike like Miller, I, yeah. I mean, to think that he just released... We just got a new song from him. Yeah. It turns out we're getting another album, which, what a blessing. I mean, I loved swimming so much, and like the fact that he wrote it about where he was mentally and yeah. then passed, and now we're hearing posthumously, like again, like just kind of solidifying like where he was, yeah, push too far, and God, I, I didn't even pick up on the on the the, I guess like the connectivity of like Amy and yeah, Mac, you know, yeah, and I think that one of the interesting things about Mac Miller is that like he was everyone's favorite like i love and i hate to say this but like after he died i love seeing everyone snoop was had pictures with him you know jay-z had pictures with him all these rappers like he was one of like he was in the yeah. he was in it you know and it, not only was he in it but it wasn't like a, a situation where like oh like we're just trying to respect that like no that was their friend like mm -hmm. he was a part of their life and they were genuinely sad about it it's surprising to me it really is surprising to have seen they did the um, concert for him, right? Uh -huh. Like, they did his, they performed, like, swimming, like, just a bunch of his friends. And it was, like, John Mayer up there. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> Childish Gambino and, like, really super influential and famous and relative people sold out yeah. uh, the Hollywood Bowl just honoring Mac Miller. And it was, like, he was never on the radio. Yeah, yeah. He, he was with Ariana long enough to where it wasn't, like, big news anymore like yeah for years so it wasn't like he was like a hot name in in the press or whatever it was just kind of like yeah that's the dude she's with people were kind of like i don't know why but she's with him yeah and it that is the true of course like that's the true sign of his like total impact which is it's like mind-blowing to see like how many people really really yeah. liked him a lot it, one thing, and one thing that i think one of the things that when i first heard about it the day before there's a writer rembert brown who uh, writes for like New York Post and New York Times and, and all these different, or he wrote, wrote for The Ringer. Mm -hmm. um, but he's he's around my age and he was good friends with Mac Miller. And he grew up, he's a, he's a black guy that grew up in Georgia and he loved tennis. So he was raising money for, he did a 24-hour podcast raising money to send this, this inner city uh, group of kids to Wimbledon. Huh. And they were kind of running short. They were running out of time. And Mac Miller just donated the rest of it. And it was like literally the day before he died. And I remember Rembert put out this beautiful piece about him, and it was just, it was it just hit home, and it's one of those things that like you always talk about, you don't appreciate people that are gone, and that was one of those like I never really, I I, I liked him, but I never really knew how yeah. great of a person he was until after he died. And it's it, and it it is sad that that's when people feel the need yeah. to honor, and you know it, it it's who we are as people. Like yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna honor whoever we love, and when they're gone, it's like that's the way that we're gonna send them off, but. Man, I saw him open for Kanye at the 2014 X Games in Austin. Oh, yeah. And, like, I had heard his name but didn't know anything about him, and he just blew the roof off that place. I mean, it was outside, so that's, yeah. that's hyperbole, <laughs> but he just, 
fucking rocked that set. And, like, you know, Kanye came out and was, of course, Kanye. And it yeah. was, like, another worldly experience. But I walked away in 2014 just being like, dude, Mac Miller was the shit. Oh, yeah. my God. And then you walk away, and then you look at him. You look into his thing, and it's, like, self-produced. Like, yeah. beats. Uh, had just, at the time, gotten, like, an, like a lifetime thing with whatever label he was on where they paid him like 10 million to like just release whatever he wanted. Oh, yeah. and it's like, and then you realize like, Oh, and he's dating Ariana Grande. Yeah. Like, oh man, this dude is killing it. Yeah. You know, what is, what is happiness? What is, what is fulfillment? If, yeah. if Mac Miller wasn't going to stick around to experience that. I, I do love that he was always evolving his sound. And one thing I, I there's a, a oh YouTube God. series. Swimming is yeah, so that's good. what. And if you listen to his like first EP, because that's what I was familiar with at first. Yeah. And it was kind of like okay, this is kind of yeah, like yeah. gimmicky almost. Like, sure. but uh, but yeah, uh, by by the time his last album came out, it was on another level. And there's a YouTube series where people, I think LP might have started it, where he they go shopping for samples, and Mac Miller wanted to be on it so bad, and they gave him a shot, and like he was just so. He was just so excited about making music, and it yeah. just felt so genuine. And it just like it hits more now, like looking back on those those YouTube series, just because like he was just all about it. He was just all about making music and having fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you could tell on stage he really loved it. One of the things that I found really interesting was that uh, Donald Glover at Mac Miller's um, farewell concert, the, you know, like the one honoring him. Uh-huh. He just kind of had that. He was like, there was a time where Mac Miller and I used to talk about how he was the corny white boy trying to rap, uh. and I was the corny black dude trying to <laughs> rap. Like that was that was the internet's uh, take on both of them at the same time. Like they were equally, and they you know like they would have conversations about it. And then you see where Donald Glover is now this acclaimed genius. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, there aren't enough words to describe yeah. like, how strong Donald Glover's brand is right now. And Mac Miller was right there, man. Like, yeah. They, he was just such a student of the game, clearly. Like, he never... And just, just to, like, kind of touch on what you said about him constantly evolving. Like, yeah. I came in at the making... Mo- like, he had just put out Making Movies in the Dark when I saw him in 2014. Uh-huh. And then even that, from that to swimming, is, like, other levels. Yeah. I just wonder, you just like have to appreciate about these because you, there's so many people who just phone in their albums and yeah. he never did that and everything was no. so different. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know, that's, that's just another example of, of, you know, losing these people so soon and, and really admiring them after they're gone. It's just a bummer. You know, it's a bummer, but at the same time, it's like the most human thing, right? Yeah. Like we, it's just, it's just, we didn't get enough time with them and, we didn't recognize it as much. I mean, it's not that we didn't even recognize it. Like, people loved Amy Winehouse. People loved Matt yeah. Miller. He had a lot of fans, but it's easy to love someone when they're not here anymore to yeah. be the villain, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's this, uh, and I've brought this up a few times too, but there's this, uh, do you know Chuck Klosterman? Yeah, of course. Um, so, have uh, you read Dying Sex, to... Sex Rock and yeah. Cocoa Puffs? Sex, whatever. Drugs, and Cocoa yeah. Puffs, yeah. Um, he wrote this book called Dying to Live, and it's all about how sometimes dying is the best career move for artists. And so morbid. He's yeah. such a, he's, he's definitely willing to, good for him. Like good for him <laughs> to being willing to like tackle that subject. Yeah. That's a very, that's macabre. Cause he talks about, I mean, when Kurt died, um, in utero was being outsold by verses, mm-hmm. pro Jam's verses. 
And when he died, it completely 180. And just little things like that. It's because we want to go back. We want to recognize them. We want to like listen to them. We their albums shoot shot to the roof. You know, when Michael Jackson died, his like greatest hits went up. Thriller shot back up. All into of them. The, I think the top ten. Yeah, albums were all Michael Jackson related. Yeah, and with, with with Amy Winehouse, I think with Amy, when she died is when the first time I really looked back into her first album, Frank. And Frank is dope. Is it? It's pre Mark Ronson, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more raw, but it's still. I mean, it still has the ingredients there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's a little bit more raw. Uh, my favorite song there is called "Fuck Me Pumps," stuff <laughs> yeah, like that, you course. know. So it, it's just it's good stuff, and it's just you know when when that happens, it it kind of opens up the thread to like okay. Now is the time. It's like when you, I hate to compare it to, but like some people wait to watch a whole series of TV mm-hmm. after it ends. Sometimes it's like, okay, now I can listen to this in completion. And it almost puts like a period at it, at the end of it. You know, it, uh, it and I, th- um, it makes me think about how, where, where I think what you said about like uh, artists now are willing to like discuss mental, yeah. health, mental health. And there's a, there's a much bigger call for like protecting the, the ones that we love, yeah, all, you know all that, and would that exist without the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, of yeah. like Amy and and like other artists who unfortunately like didn't we as a culture weren't ready to like do what we could to like make it safe for them to yeah get help, you know, like that's that kind of like um, I don't remember the term for that where it's like oh maybe it's like Schrodinger's box where it's like when you you don't know if the cat is dead or yeah not until you open up the box but it's like would we be where we were if we hadn't lost artists like yeah. Amy? So, uh, and you think all you can really do is try to find like the good, it's, it's, it sounds terrible to even say that, but yeah. it's like what, what possible good outcome comes from losing someone like Amy? And it's like, well, maybe that just opened the door for the conversation to be a little bit more real in regard to like keeping these people alive when they're in trouble. Yeah, and I think it's a way too to let them not die in vain. You know, let, let let something good come out of this, yeah. you know, because um, because, yeah, I, I think with the exception of Mac Miller, I, I don't know of any high profile like early demises, you know, uh, at least from a, from a musical standpoint, from a pop music standpoint. Well, you know, I mean, XXXTentacion oh. is one that um, really made a lot of people upset in, in like the rap community. I didn't know that was like a little too young for me. Like, you know, I'm yeah. really dating myself here, but like XXX, I had not heard a single one of his tracks until... Suddenly, you know, he was gone, and and then they were kind of giving him that that treatment too. And I guess Nipsey is definitely one. I forgot about yeah, Nipsey. You know, I don't think I'm not an expert on Nipsey. I don't think people were really loving him like like that. Maybe behind the scenes, I just what I and I based that entirely on like uh, there was a Saturday Night Live joke they made about We Are the World three. Uh-huh. The spoof was that they were making a We Are the World to commemorate how badly We Are the World two <laughs> went. And the big joke at the end was Keenan Thompson being like naming the people that were a part of We Are the World too, and he used Nipsey Hussle as the reason to like, can you see how low the bar <laughs> has been brought? And so like, I'm not trying to. Yeah, I mean, clearly Nipsey was just like a super influential, and yeah. like a really good guy for the community. Like that's all come into fruition, but there was some disrespect on there was dirt on Nipsey's name. Yeah, sure, unfortunately. <laughs> I think, but I think in the, the the months preceding his death, he was definitely on a rise. I mean, he was he was one of the headliners at, at South by, um, I think the Fader Fort. Really? So yeah, I, I think that he was coming up, and um, but I think the biggest thing with him, it's kind of along the same lines of Mac Miller, is it's like 
he was big in the community. Suddenly, yeah. he realized that he was kind of like yeah. touching everybody. You know, he, yeah. was, he was really a part of a lot of things. When you're lucky, if you're an artist, your your art outlives you, right? Yeah. And you get to catch one kind of like beautiful moment, like they did with Valerie, where yeah. it's 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 upbeat, it's fun, it's it's like flirty, and it's kind of like it's towing that line of her singing about a woman. So it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like yeah. It, it it it's just fun. It's fun to like be a part of that song if it's on. Yeah, it, you 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 can move to it and you can laugh about it, and that's the way that I hope the best. Of, I, I think that all of us could only hope to be remembered for a, a beautiful moment like that for any of our lives, right? Where like something fun and something that makes you laugh and move and remember that you're alive. Yeah, um, that's what I think, Valerie accomplishes for Amy Winehouse. Definitely. I, I think, and it's funny because I feel like that song has kind of, in recent years, has kind of elevated past rehab and because I think it's because it's just a fun song. It's just fun. You see it in these commercials yeah. now and, I, and you see like, because I think it's a song that everybody can like, old people and young. Um, the interesting thing about it too, I feel like the song was written, the, the guy from the Zootons dated this woman who was a celebrity makeup artist named Valerie, Valerie Starr. And, uh, the song is about, she, she's from the States. They met in the States. They were dating long distance, but she had a shitload of like arrest records from for driving either DWIs or for speeding and things like that. So she kept on telling him, I'm going to move over right. to, to, to England. And he, she couldn't. Over. Yeah. Why are you coming over? <laughs> Do you need a good lawyer? You know, all that stuff. And it's so funny because it's such a like, I mean, it's, it's obviously like a, about romance, about a relationship, yeah. but it's not romantic. Right. And then when it's when, like about like the logistics of yeah. someone having to move to another country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, when Amy Winehouse does it, it's just, it just takes it to another level. And the thing I've always appreciated about like the Zootons are very self-aware, it seems. And the lead singer, they've performed with Mark Ronson and they've done like, tributes for Amy and they're, they're just like, you know, we made the song, but it's almost, they haven't said this outright, but it's almost like that's her song. You know, I think it's really cool that they are accepting the fact that she took it to another level. I think that's, um, and, and that's, uh, it's really big of artists. Some artists yeah. can't get over themselves. And then it's, it's always cool to see like, I mean, you're doing a whole podcast about covers. Yeah. So clearly like the reimagining and reinterpretation of someone's work and what it can be like done on an, in another palette. Yeah, it's so wonderful when even the creator of that can look at another version of it and be like, you know what, that might actually be a yeah. better version of this song. I've seen that done a few times, and I always think it, it it's really um it takes a lot of strength and I think a yeah. lot of like humility to like be able to do that. For sure, Trent Reznor said that about Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. He said that Ryan Adams said no. Uh, Oasis said that about Ryan Adams' version of Wonderwall. Oh really? And, yeah, and and. Yeah, and it's that's it's it good. Like, yeah, we all be inspired to keep making covers. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we try to hit on with this this podcast. I mean, there are some people who have like negative feelings about covers, but I think there's so many examples of one covers people didn't know were covers. Yeah, and two where these songs have kind of taken a life on their own after. I mean, people have negative takes on everything. Now, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Someone can complain about having like a a nice dinner. Yeah, with like people they love. You know. It's easy to complain about whatever, so let him. For sure. Wait, well, hey, thanks thanks a lot, Nick. I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun. This was fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Cover Stories B-Sides.